0: Welcome to Focus on the Family's Weekend Broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey.
1: You are an image bearer of Almighty God, and you have automatic, intrinsic value. Your value comes from God, not me. Your value comes from God, not your spouse, not your children, not your parents, not your pastor, not your co-workers.
0: That is such a great description of Genesis 127, which says we're all made in the image of God. We're going to hear more about what that really means with our guest, Pastor Ted Cunningham. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly. John, January
2: is the month that we celebrate the sanctity of human life from cradle to grave. And today's message from Pastor Ted fits right into that theme. Uh, The reason the sanctity of human life is important to us is because it's important to God. Each of us are created in his image. We are image bearers of the Almighty, and applying that knowledge to life and death questions like abortion and euthanasia is very illuminating. Recently, Pastor Ted spoke to our staff on this very topic in his typical humorous and engaging style. Uh, Ted is an author, comedian, and the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson, Missouri.
0: And here now is Ted Cunningham on today's Focus on the Family.
1: Well, it is great to be back. I just I want to start by saying thank you for trusting me to do uh, date nights around the country on behalf of folks on the family. And I want to share with you my favorite joke from these events because it came to me from an 86-year-old missionary at our church. Uh, Pat Kershaw served for over 60 years with International Students Incorporated here in Colorado Springs, and I was actually working on a chapter in the book A Love That Laughs chapter three where I'm helping couples find their shared sense of humor. And I meet with Pat about once a month at Panera Bread for Coffee. And I was working on it when she came in and she calls me preacher boy sometimes. So she asked me, uh, what are you working on? I said, I'm just helping couples find their shared sense of humor. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, too many people try to be funny and they're not funny. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so instead of trying to be funny, they should just look for funny because funny is all around us. Humor is everywhere and really just call it out. And I I made the the mistake of asking Pat, have you seen anything funny lately? I asked my 86-year-old senior member of the church, have you seen anything funny lately? And she goes, I saw it just yesterday while getting my mammogram up in Springfield. Now, every pastor needs a good mammogram story from a senior member. I said, Pat, what was funny up in Springfield? She said, well, you know, it's at Mercy Hospital. And the nuns, they got verses all up and down the hallways. Ted, what verse do you think they have hanging on the mammogram machine at Mercy Hospital? I said, I have absolutely no idea. She said, 2 Corinthians 4:8, for we are hard-pressed on every side. <laughs> But not crushed. That's the whole verse. (laughs) And I went to Dallas Seminary where we learned that is a verse out of context. Can I get an amen on that one? So (laughs) I love when people visit our church in Branson after they hear me share that on the road and they're like, we want to meet Pat. That's the only joke she's got. I got to be real honest with you. But it is a good one. I love encouraging couples with humor and families with humor and our church with humor. But there's a word I want to give today and it's one word that changes the way I value my spouse, it changes the way I value my children, my parents, it changes the way I value coworkers, it changes the way I look at strangers I meet on the street. It changes the way I view people that don't look like me, talk like me, and that don't vote like me. And the word is simply honor. I love the word honor. Honor means to esteem as highly valuable. And I want to look at this word three ways. Today. First, I want to explore it from the Scripture, and then I want to challenge all of us. And this is a challenging message for me because I know how I tend to value people and how I tend to look at people, but I want to look at them through the eyes of God. I want to see them as image bearers of Almighty God. And so I want to be challenged in my thinking and in my heart with this word uh, but then I want to get very practical and give you four ways that you can show honor uh, to the people in your family, to the people you meet on the street, to the people in your church, to your coworkers, all along the way. I want to start in Genesis 127. This passage is where we start at our church, Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson. Uh, we start with this passage, whether we're talking about abortion, immigration, Racial reconciliation, divorce, adoption, fostering, it all starts for us with the image of God in man, the Imago Dei. Genesis 127 reads, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So even when we talk about sex, sexuality, gender, sexual orientation, it starts for us with Genesis 127, the Imago Day. We see every human being as personally autographed by God and highly valuable. Gary Smalley put it this way, honor is a decision we make to place high value, worth, and importance on another person. Whether we realize it or not, the value we attach to God, our children, and ourselves greatly determines the success or failure of our relationships. Now, here's the cool thing about honor. It's the most important thing we can learn about honor today before we get practical. Honor recognizes value. It does not set value. When I honor you, I am calling out the value in your life. I'm not determining it. You know what that means? There's nothing I can say or do that adds to or takes away from your value. Nothing. I can't add anything to it and I can't take anything away from it. All I can do is recognize it and call it out. I don't know why this word sometimes gets me emotional because right now is the moment that I would want to tell you a joke. And my wife would be sitting down there going, don't you do it. Don't you sit in this, Ted. She says, my number one flaw as a pastor and speaker is that I love to bail people out. Like when we're sitting in it and some stuff we need to be challenged with. To me, the joke is the great escape. And all God's people said, no, half of you went, no, don't you do it. (laughs) Look at I just did it. I can't, I can't. This word gets me emotional because you know what? Someone's listening to the broadcast right now who feels worthless They've been told that by a parent. They've been told that by a spouse. And for years and years and years, and they're driving right now. They're at work. They're at home. They feel worthless. And I just want to remind that listener, that is a feeling, not the truth. Ryan Pinnell, one of the therapists at Hope Restored with Focus on the Family, I love what he says about feelings. Because too often in the church, we like to stuff our feelings. We like to tell people, don't pay attention to feelings. Ryan's got the best quote on feelings I've ever heard. He said, feelings are like our children. We should listen to them. We should care for them. But we should not allow them to make major decisions for our family. So if you're feeling worthless right now, guess what? That is a feeling. Don't allow that to make major decisions for your life. Because the truth is, you are an image bearer of almighty God. And you have automatic intrinsic value. Your value comes from God, not me. Your value comes from God, not your spouse, not your children, not your parents, not your pastor, not your coworkers, not strangers you meet on the street. Your value is not based on another's thoughts, feelings, words, or actions. And if I can just say it another way, your value is not based on your thoughts feelings, words, and actions. God determined your value by creating you in His image. Every single human being is created in the image of God and has automatic, intrinsic value. You see, we tend to value people. And I'll put myself in this. This is why I need to be challenged with this message. We tend to value people based on their age. We value people based on their job. Why do you think when after you meet someone one of the follow-up questions first follow-up questions is what? What do you do? We value people based on status and income, race, nationality, political party, behavior, abilities, disabilities, intelligence, sexual orientation. And I think there's another important thing to say about honor. I do not need to agree with your decisions. I do not need to agree with your lifestyle choices. To see you as someone who is created in the image of God. You're an image bearer of Almighty God. Now, it's important because this always... We have to talk about the difference between the image of God and being a child of God. So through creation, you bear the image of God. But it's through salvation, faith alone in Christ alone that you become a child of God. Let me say that again. Through creation, I bear the image of God, but through faith alone in Christ alone, I become a child of God. Sin, it marred the image of God in man, but it did not remove it. Jesus died for my sins. And so I want to encourage us as we walk through this and we talk about honor and give some very practical ways. I love getting into the practical ways because we can talk about this all day long. But how do we live it out? How do we walk it out in our family and in the workplace? And even with strangers, (laughs) even with people that we don't agree with, even with people of the opposite party. Because how I think about people and how I treat people, that matters to God. It matters to God. And it's easy to honor those who think like me, believe like me, and vote like me. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 46 through 47? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? In other words, there's no skill needed to love an easy-to-love person. There's no skill needed to honor someone who's being nice to you. So how do you live this out practically? Let me give you four ways that you can affirm another's value, another's high value, with words. And the very first one, it's my favorite, and it's changed my life over the last 18 years. I've been practicing this for 18 years after Gary handed it to me. But the first thing I want to encourage you to do is write it. Write it down. I walked into Gary Smalley's office, and he was working on something, and it was four pieces of paper stapled together, and across the top it said all the reasons why Norma is highly valuable. And I said, Gary, what is this? He goes, well, it's an honor list. I go, what do, you, what do you do with this? He said, well, I've been keeping track of all the reasons why Norma is highly valuable because right, confirmation bias teaches us we make decisions and then we look for the evidence to back them up. He said, this is all of the decisions. They're all the decisions that I have made about Norma. And I like to be reminded of her value. He said, after we get into a fight, or we get into conflict, I come back in here and I grab this list. He said, and, and it's not the time to edit He said, I don't walk in and pick it up and look at it and be like, that's not true. No, he said, no, I I am reminded. And if, if you knew Gary personally, you know, he was a pretty emotional guy. He said, I usually don't have to get off the first page before the tears start flowing and I'm reminded of her value and I go back to her just in a different posture. This Focus
0: on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: and I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus
4: on the Families Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like
3: my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my
4: life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to hoperestored.com today. I'm here asking people how they could both give and get.
0: I don't know, maybe love? Yeah, you could both give and get love.
4: True, but it's also possible with a charitable gift annuity you get a secure source of fixed income and a charitable tax deduction. Plus, giving a charitable gift annuity to Focus on the Family helps families thrive for generations to come. I love that! Find out more. Go to FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming
1: said, Ted, do you have a list for Amy? I said, I don't. He goes, get it started. And this is my well-worn list. I travel with it, but it's all the reasons why I've been writing them down. What I love about Amy, how I have fun with Amy, but it's all the reasons why she's valuable. And it's kind of a personal list. So some of you may be able to take some of ours and tweak it for you, but it's really understanding how my wife is an image bearer, how God created her. In her personality and everything, I love it. And so I've written it down. And my very first one is, I love your all-or-nothing passion. Pow! My wife is a very passionate woman. <laughs> everything is passion coming out of that woman. Raise your hand if you're married to a strong woman. Let me just see your hands. I always love how slow that goes. Do you want me to raise my hand right now? <laughs> I don't care how you answer that question. How you answer the next question, is even more. But how many of you love being married to a strong woman? I love being married to a strong woman. She is passionate. I can come home from a bad day at church and be like, it was a rough day at church. She's like, fine, let's quit, move to Africa, be missionaries full time. Wow. <laughs> that escalated real fast. I think we should sleep on it and definitely pray about it before we go. And she's passionate about her walking. She walks me and the dogs every night before sunset. <laughs> and I mean, everything, there's no strolling. There's zero strolling in our home. Everywhere. We're getting to where we're going. And she'll ask me, she'll go, hey, you squeezing your cheeks together? Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm 47 and a half. I don't need, to, and I grew up Baptist. They're always, we're good. You don't ever have to worry about it. But she's a passionate woman. Everything she does is passion. And we call them in our home these grand declarations. And she'll just make a decision. She's really good at making these decisions. And she's got an honor list for me as well. But I thought that'd be weird, me sharing all the honorable things she says about me. So I'll just share hers. She's, she'll, she'll make these grand proclamations in our home. And she'll be like, here's what we're going to do. And it's like, well, in like marching orders, we're doing it. I love that passion. Like, call it out. I love your disdain for directions. <laughs> no lie. You love letting me lead. Like when we go through airports as a family, I'm in charge because Amy loves to be like, she doesn't want to think about gates and times and, and boarding and all. She doesn't want to think about any of that. And she's traveling today with her father and going through airports. And I get nervous. I'm like, are you okay? Are you going to get there? And she's like, when you're not around, I'm fine. But she goes, I love kicking it in neutral. I love your disdain for directions. You love letting me lead. You couldn't care less how we're getting there or when we're getting there. While driving at her airports, you pay no attention to signs because you completely trust me getting you there. This one I added a few years ago because I noticed that I love your two love languages. She has two love languages, acts of service and quality time, which means I serve her for long periods of time. (laughs) And in the middle of that is that decluttering love language. She lives by a pitch, pitch, pitch. Get rid of it. We don't need it. I put in here, I love your silent patriotic laugh. When my wife finds something funny, she places her hand over her heart. She leans forward and nothing comes out. We went to see a comedian years ago who did like a 15-minute bid on a colonoscopy. And for 15 minutes, she didn't breathe. She just sat there. And my goal, listen, this is this, I think. And then we're only on like number four on this list. And this is pages long. But my goal as her husband is to get her to laugh every day. My goal is to get that silent, patriotic laugh. I almost get it every day, but sometimes I'll get just a chuckle. The other day, we were in the grocery store, and I'm not a big fan of shopping. So I'm constantly looking for ways to bring out the humor in these miserable grocery shopping experiences And sometimes she'll send me over two aisles, hey, run over and get something. And I was walking over to another aisle and I came across Coca-Cola has a new 15-pack. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a 15-pack of Coca-Cola. A third of the box is this big white stripe. And I kid you not, it says 15-pack, three cans more than a (laughs) 12-pack. I grabbed it. I take it over. It's worth it for me to walk two aisles for something. We ain't going to buy just to show Amy. I didn't get the silent patriotic laugh, but I did did get a, ha. That's enough for me. I go, no. And then I'm milking it even more. I'm like, no. Remember when your math teacher said, show your work? Coca-Cola is showing their work (laughs) for all the people who were raised on new math. Frustrated, right? Call it out. I'm going for that silent patriotic laugh. I want to see that in her. I love, this is one of my favorite. I'm just going to skip through the list a little bit. But I hope as you're listening, you're considering the list. Pull your notepad out on your phone or your iPad. And before you get home tonight, jot down five reasons why your spouse is highly valuable. Jot down reasons why your children are highly valuable. We don't give our kids birthday cards anymore. We give them an honor list and it has, whatever age they are, our daughter just turned 18. She got 18 reasons why she's highly valuable on her list. It's going to save you money on cards and it's going to mean a lot more. This is one of my favorite. I said, I love how you prioritize our marriage. You've eradicated the kid-centered home and you place our marriage first. Date nights are important to you and you model a great marriage for our kids. I have some personal things in here on how she loves our son and the way in which she shows that, how she loves our daughter and the way in which she shows that. I love your commitment to Christ. You are sensitive to the Lord's leadership in your life. I love your spontaneity. With two to three days' notice, you cut loose and go with the flow. <laughs> My favorite line is when you tell me, just call me flow. Look, can I tell you, every marriage, every family, every relationship has these dynamics. I, there are some personal ones on here that I'm not sharing with you. But it's our honor list. She has one for me, I have one for Write it down. Write these words down. Call out what you see in someone else, but please don't stop there. Gift it. We're used to giving Hallmark cards and gifts at birthdays and anniversaries and special occasions. I'm here to tell you, an honor list is one of the best gifts you can give someone. Proverbs 22, one says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than gold or silver. And I saw that play out the first time we gave an honor list to my mom when she turned 64 years old. And, you know, my parents are at that age now in their 70s. They don't want any more stuff. I don't want more stuff. Every time I leave my parents' house, I leave with a box of stuff. This is a true story. I'll be like, Mom, this is your blender. You have your blender in here. I'm done cooking, right? That's kind of where they are (laughs) in life. But you know what she'll never get enough of? What I'm called to do until she or I draws our final breath, and that is honor. Honor. I asked all the family. I conspired against her on her 64th birthday. I asked my dad and my kids, everybody to write an honor list for Palmabani. And we went out to a nice meal at the end of the meal, in between the entree and dessert. I invited everyone to take out their honor list. My mom didn't see it coming, and it hit her like a train. And, I, and she goes, "What's going on?" I said, "I've asked everybody to write down all the reasons why you're highly valuable. And we're just going to go around the table and share it. Listen, we didn't get to the first line on the first list before my mom went, mm! You know I hate it when you do this, day. Like, but that's honor. We were, she couldn't hold it together around the table. Because you know why? Honor, a good name, more desirable than great riches, to be esteemed better than gold or silver. I love to do this at birthday parties. I'm invited to. If I can tell there's no plan or no structure to the evening, I'll ask whoever's hosting the party, do you mind if we do an honor bombardment? What do you mean? We're just going to go around for birthday boy or birthday girl, and everybody's going to speak one word of high value over this person, maybe share a story or a line or two. I'll write it down. I'll text it to you at the end of the night. We do this at our staff meetings. Uh, I love to grab just a cup, piece of paper, write everybody's name down that's in the meeting, tear it off put it in the cup, shake it up, pull one name out, one name out, and we go around as a staff and everyone honor, bombards that person. Write it down, but gift it. And even better than that, I have found, write it, gift it, number three, speak it out loud. Can I tell you, let me tell you, one of the best ways to teach your children to honor God, others, and you is to honor each other. Let them see you practice honor. But one of the best ways to show that, to model that, is with each other. And so I don't just give this to Amy. I don't just write it down about Amy. I don't just gift it to Amy. But I make sure my children are present. And I will read these words out loud in front of my kids. I want them to see how important this is. Why? Proverbs 18, 21 says... The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When we speak words of high value into people, when we speak words of high value over people, right, when we're speaking these words to people, reminding them, not setting, but reminding them of their value, it's so life-giving if you want to raise kids who know how to honor people in the image of God and man and see people as autographed by God and highly valuable, then let them see you treat people that way. In the home, in the workplace, to strangers on the street. Would you pray with me? Father, first and foremost, I pray for the one right now that's listening that is an image bearer but is not a child of God, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would repent of their sins, that they would confess that Jesus is Lord, believe that he has been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. And that through creation, they are an image-bearer, and through salvation, they become a child of God. Thank you for focus on the family and the work they're doing here to lift up the Imago Day and go straight into culture with it, honoring people, honoring the unborn, honoring couples. Give them the ministry of honor in all that they do and all that they stand for. And we pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus and everyone agreed and said, amen. Love you. Thank you for allowing me to share this.
0: Pastor Ted Cunningham speaking to the Focus on the Family staff at a recent chapel gathering.
2: John, I so appreciate Ted's message. Uh, This is foundational stuff. It's Christianity 101, and it's definitely something that we should be teaching our children, especially in a world that is so polarized on a variety of issues. Get the CD of this presentation from Ted or watch it on the YouTube channel. Uh, You know, our surveys tell us that over the past year, over 1 million people said that Focus on the Family helped them influence their communities for Christ. That's a huge number, Mm -hmm. and we are honored to participate in the Lord's plan to spread the gospel far and wide. But as a nonprofit ministry, we need your help. We rely on your contributions to fuel these efforts so please consider donating to focus on the family today and when you make a donation of any amount we'll send you a cd of this message from ted cunningham as
0: our way of saying thank you yeah our number is 800 the letter a in the word family 800 232 6459 or you can donate online and request that cd uh, when you stop by focusonthefamily.com/broadcast And when you're online with us, be sure to look for the link to the Live It Challenge, and we'll also post some articles on how to get more involved in pro-life efforts. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. To focus on the family's weekend broadcast, we'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith building program for your family. Stay tuned.
3: Failure is natural, pain is natural, but when we stop going to God with it, when we're trying to take care of things on our own, we only have so much reserve. And so, this was just an opportunity to say, I need to make sure that. God isn't the extra at the end of the day, that that's my sustenance. That's what I need. And why do I have to keep learning that lesson over and over and over again?
0: Kathy Lipp joins us today on Focus on the Family, along with her friend and co-author, Sherry Gregory. Your host is Focus president and author, Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
2: John, what does it look like for you to get away, like for a retreat?
0: Oh, well, that would be like mountains and uh, time with a book and no cell phone. That's that's rest and, and relaxation for me.
2: You know it's amazing? Gene just did a retreat with a handful of girlfriends, and they yeah. got out to the mountains, and they were able to kind of relax and study the word pretty deeply. Not everybody has that opportunity, no. and that's a great thing. It's but a- I love the fact that the timing of this with Gene's experience and our guest today talking about how you can have that retreat environment without necessarily having to go spend a lot of money or drive to the mountains or something like that. I'm looking forward to this discussion because we all need to think about our relationship with the Lord, where we're at, where we need to go. And the best way to do that is silence, right? Time to just
0: think. And we're going to
2: really help you better understand how to do that each and every day.
0: Yeah, I used to pray that God would speak, and now I say, Lord, help me listen, Mm because I believe he speaks a lot more than I listen. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we have uh, Kathy and Sherry here. They've been here a number of times before. They're very popular speakers and authors, and they've written a book together. It's a devotional titled, An Abundant Place, Daily Retreats for the Woman Who Can't Get Away. And we have copies here at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast.
2: Well, welcome back to both of you.
4: Thank you. Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
2: Yeah, it's so good to see you. You are always so cheery and so effervescent. Hmm. We love oh, it. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah, I do you like, like that? that? I
3: love that word. Yeah. I I've <laughs> ever been called that before. Bubbly.
2: But we yes. love it. Mm-hmm. And you guys bring such great wisdom. Let's go there. You speak to a lot of women through the ministry that God's given you. Mm-hmm. It, what's the most common thing you hear from women? Uh, about and, you know, just the demands. I have a good friend who was just telling me she raised her girls in the 70s and 80s. And she goes, I don't really remember that part of my life. And, you know, I think I understand that. But that's kind of how a lot of women
3: feel. That's that's exactly what my mom says. She does not remember the 60s or the 70s. And, <laughs> and you know, I think the number one thing that we hear from women is that they are overwhelmed. Yeah. And in fact, we wrote a book about it. You guys, We talked right. to you guys about it. And this devotional is a response to it. Because, you know, it. wherever you are in your life, whether you're at home with kids, you're working full time... There are so many demands on all of us, sure. and to have the opportunity to just kind of pull back and get away, it's a luxury for a lot of people, but it's also a necessity. So yeah. that's what we were trying to figure out.
2: And in that context, I mean, it is good. Like Jean had a wonderful experience mm-hmm. last weekend, yeah. and it was really enjoyable to her. She said she laughed a lot, she cried, you know, mm-hmm. the girls really bonded, mm-hmm. but. For the woman that struggles carving out that kind of time because she's so busy, can you really um, seek the Lord and hear from the Lord without that kind of retreat experience?
4: Well, you know, for some women, they're at a stage of life where even the thought of getting away is more overwhelming. Right.
2: It's more work.
4: yeah, there's all the preparation that has to happen, and so... To be able to carve that time out, to be able to set aside some time, to uh, pull together um, some things to make it meaningful and retreat-like, you know, we like to, you know, pull together a blanket or a favorite drink, favorite scripture, to have a space, to have a place in the house for it. Uh, For me, it's a prayer chair uh, where my family knows, now the cat does not know, Rafiki does not respect my retreat time, (laughs) (laughs) but my family knows that if I'm in my prayer chair, you know, don't bother mom unless there's blood or something like that (laughs) and so to be able to create that space and time rather than waiting okay someday I'll get away someday I'll get away well two three four five years can go by whereas to be able to do that we believe on a daily basis to carve out that little bit of time is so important when and you... can really lessen that uh, that feeling of overwhelm. And
2: just for that specificity, how much time is that for you?
4: You know, sometimes it's five minutes. Right. Sometimes it turns into lingering for a half an hour or an hour or more. But I don't want to get hung up on the time because so yeah, many, it's... at least those of us who are recovering perfectionists, we get hung up on the time. If it's right. not an hour, it doesn't count. And it's like any time with God totally counts. Right. And Also, the person who's like, I'm not going to bother to try if I can't do it right, find that space, create that space, do it for a little period of time, and it's going to grow.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're not saying, you know, for that retreat experience, that's a good thing. That's good to carve out that time. But how to have that experience more frequently, which would be good, Mm -hmm. so that your faith is deepening. That's what you're saying. And it doesn't take a lot.
4: Yeah, It's not either or, it's both.
2: Yeah, that's good. Um, Let me ask you, Kathy, you have an acronym SPACE uh, that really helps people to learn meditation and scripture application. What's the uh, acronym stand for? Describe it for us.
3: Yeah, so what we're asking is for SPACE. And I think, you know, as women we really desire space in our lives like the number one commodity it really really (laughs) is and so we took that and we just said okay what is a daily ritual that we can put into our lives that will just take a few minutes but can help us go deeper with god and it's that consistency you know it's that daily consistency so s is for speak so This is just, if you are taking a portion of scripture, reading it aloud three times and three times may seem a little weird. And I'm not trying to say, you know, do something ritualistic. This doesn't, you know, may there's no magic number, but for me to really meditate on it three times, I can really start to take that portion apart, um, ponder, sit quietly. Why is God bringing this verse into my life right now? Like, is there something going on in my life? Is there something specifically I need to be listening to? So just giving some opportunity. I love what you said, John. You know, it's, you know, God speak to me. Well, I need to listen. I That's what I need is I need to sit and be quiet and listen. Act. Is there an action that God is asking me to take? Is there something that I need to be doing that I'm not currently doing? Or is there something I need to be stopping that I am currently doing? Um, commit. What has God committed to do? I think this is so interesting to think about it. Like, what does God say his commitment is in this word? Look for what the scripture reveals about God, who he is and what he promises. Mm -hmm. And then finally express. I take a moment to express to God, you know, how this verse is hitting me, what I'm learning how it makes me think and how it makes me feel.
2: Yeah, that's well said. Mm -hmm. Sherry, let me ask you, this is a devotional basically, and we want to highlight a few of the stories. And certainly, we're not going to cover it all. So, for the listener, for the viewer, you got to get a copy because mm-hmm. there's so much good stuff in here. But you uh, used uh, a certain type of grass to get yes. an illustration. <laughs> Is it katsu or which? G- it's
4: called kikuya grass. Kikuya,
0: okay. And, I got to get my grass uh, <laughs> knowledge built up here. You don't want this one, though. No.
4: no, I live on an old boarding school. I mean, it's an old military base that's become a boarding school. And uh, we were doing some renovation in our house, and we opened up, uh, we took out this windowsill, and there was literally grass growing inside the wall like sprouting out everywhere it was bizarre it was like something out of a horror film because there was clearly no no light on the inside and it's it turns out it's this really invasive kind of grass and it's considered a federal noxious weed
2: that doesn't sound good no
4: (laughs) and you know one of the things about writing devotionals and um is that it gives us a chance to think about these little experiences in our everyday life and to really listen to what God is telling us about them. And so, you know, I didn't pay much attention to it. And then I feel the Holy Spirit tapping me on the shoulder and saying, there's a life lesson for you here, Sherry. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things in your life that become like kakuya grass. You know, there's that... Christmas season where you were just going to do a few things and then the calendar exploded or you know there's you're just going to do this little bit in the house and then it's suddenly it's a home renovation. And so it became this this metaphor for boundaries mm. and realizing that on my own I will say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in so many things, everything looks so good. Yeah. But one of the things about kikuyu grass is it grows underground and then it jumps up and you realize it's invaded everywhere and taken over. And um, that's what those are the yeses. Those are the yeses that Mm -hmm. sprout up and take on that life of their own that end up growing inside your wall where you're like, wait, I didn't agree to I said yes to this tiny thing. And then suddenly people say I've said yes to everything. Let me ask
2: you this. And Jean has done a far better job than she used to. But one of the Mm -hmm. one of the observations I would have had, you know, 10, 15 years ago is, it's this like ricochet effect where she said yes to too much, yeah. and then she is condemning herself yeah. for not having time to do the yeses. Mm-hmm. And it's like this bang, 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 yeah. the, the guilt yeah. that I can't do all the yeses, but I should be able to do yeah. all the yeses. How do you uh, kind of unpack that for your own health? You know,
4: I, uh, my tool is really a little bit strange, but I've started a journal, and i literally titled it, I Was Wrong. And it's because when I take the time and I ask God for wisdom and say, okay, Lord, of all of these possibilities, which ones are invitations from you and which are possible invasions from these noxious, weed like things in life, (laughs) the the yeses that I'm not supposed to be saying. And so Mm. then I keep record of, okay, I wanted to say yes to this. And here's the thing, sometimes I'm like, I wanna do it anyways. Even if God's like, this is a noxious week, fine, I'm gonna do it anyways. Well, then I have to journal and be like, it turned out terribly. Yeah. It was a very bad idea, again, to disobey God. I should have listened. And it's very humbling. Yeah. It is so, to see in black and white, all those times where I was like, I'm gonna say yes, it's gonna turn out okay this time. And it turns out, no, it's more this cuckoo grass and it's choking that's the life. That's
2: that's a good analogy. Yeah. Kathy, you, you speak to the issue of entitlement and how mm. to um, overcome that. Describe that. How yeah. You...
3: So I, we both apparently have very strange practices because <laughs> one of the things that I have come to need in my life is a lot more gratitude. Can we just all admit the past couple of years have been hard mm-hmm. for a lot of people sure. in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was getting this real root of entitlement in my life life shouldn't be this way it shouldn't be this hard i should be able to do the things i want all this kind of stuff and i realized that i was not a really nice person to live with and i needed to make some changes and i needed to say thank you i needed to be actively pursuing gratitude in my life but we were in lockdown and so what (laughs) i finally started doing was i'd go out to the chicken coop each morning and Brie would always, we, all of our chickens are named after cheeses. Um, you can tell the priorities in our house. <laughs> yes. so, you know,
2: you know, cheese doesn't come from chicken. I do know <laughs> that. Yes. I'm just making uh, sure. Right,
3: okay. Yes. So I've got that anatomy and cooking <laughs> yeah. Um It's safe to eat at my house. Uh, but. Yeah, Brie would always lay, lay the first egg. I would just say, you know, thank you, Brie. This, this egg is going to be amazing in tomorrow's breakfast. And it seems so ridiculous, but I realized as I was practicing gratitude with the lowly chickens, I was actually increasing it in other parts of my life. I was noticing what God was doing in my life. I was noticing the abundance he had given me in other areas. I was being more grateful towards my husband. I was being more grateful towards people on the Internet. Miracles abound. You know, I just realized this simple act of saying thank you uh, to every situation was helping me find the good, Mm. where before I was purposely looking for the problem.
2: Well, And what you're saying there is attitudes are choices. We
0: choose to have that attitude.
3: I can't choose my circumstances, I can choose how I respond to my circumstances. Absolutely.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
2: Just as we pick good food for our children, We want to make sure that we're picking good kind of spiritual nutrition for our children as well. Um, So I think providing them clubhouses has provided some of that spiritual nutrition for them.
0: You can help your kids grow in their faith with Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines. Great resources for your family at focusonthefamily.com slash clubradio. Is it possible to love your spouse without expecting anything in return? Here at Focus on the Family, we're excited about Season 5 of the Loving Well podcast. I'm John Fuller, and I'll be joined by my friends and colleagues, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, as we discuss practical ways you can show love and appreciation to your mate. You'll find the Loving Well podcast at focusonthefamily.com lovingwell. That's focusonthefamily.com lovingwell. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Sherry, in the book uh, Abundant Place, you talk about your quirky house, <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> it's obviously not the Abundant Place, but what, what's up with your? Oh, this
4: is one of my favorite stories. This one I actually comes from about like 10, 15 years ago when we first moved there. When we first moved to the um, boarding school where we live, we moved into a barracks, a former Ar- army barracks. and it's so it was built, every like, wife in the, wants to exactly, live. Exactly, <laughs> like 1940s, uh, but I mean, it had a view of the Pacific Ocean, panoramic okay, views. So cool. we lived in barracks, we had this view, and so we were leaving, and Kathy and Ron Roger. We're going to come stay for a little bit. And as the time got closer, I thought, oh, there's a few things I need to jot down for her about this house. (laughs) I ended up with a five pages (laughs) type list of things she needed to know. Like, you know, that the hot water and cold water in the shower were opposite. Or if you used two appliances in the kitchen, you'd throw the circuit breaker. Or there was a particular window, if you opened it, it would fall out into the bushes and you'd have to run outside and pick it back up again. Starting to sound
2: like a horror film. (laughs) You know, and so... it's a polite way of saying don't come.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I just thought, you know, and so she emails me back and she's like, your house scares me. (laughs) And I'm like, she's a writer. She should know the difference between scary and quirky. Come on like for <laughs> me all of this was normal and i realized this is one of those times the holy spirit tapped me on the shoulders like what else has become normal for you sherry what would be like if you made a list about yourself and what people have to get used to when they get to know you and do life with you mm. you know this house didn't get this way overnight it was over time and I suddenly thought, if I were to make a quirk list of things that I expect people to adapt to, it would be really, really long. And my natural reaction to that sort of thing is, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go buy a ton of self-help books. And I'm going to overhaul my character in a few nights. And then I'll be back to being just fine. Mm. And really made me realize, no, this is the kind of thing where, just like I did after they visited, I made a fix-it list and I handed it over to our landlord that is a (laughs) reminder to me, that I need to hand over my fix-it list for myself to God, Mm. that I need, let's see, what is that word? A savior, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not Mm. myself, not more self-help. And um, sometimes, you know, even professional help, whether it's a spiritual guide or a, a mentor or um, a counselor to help, you know, really drill down into mm-hmm. things. Uh, Kathy,
2: what was going on when you decided to make pancakes? <laughs> hey, we're getting hungry, right? I Panda? am. <laughs> hungry, yeah. So, yeah. Eggs and it, pancakes. And so
3: egg stories. <laughs> I'm I ready know. to go for lunch or you dinner. Know, you know, it's it was a, a couple of years of a lot of hard things. And we were just... You know, I was getting through it. I was spending time with God. These challenges were coming up. But after a lot of hard time, you know, it's easy for things to drop off your routines. So for me, exercise always goes first. That's always the easiest one to get rid of because nobody's going to notice, right? (laughs) And then, you know, maybe some other healthy habits. And then what I've noticed is that if I am not taking really good care of myself, that it's very easy for me to find excuses to be too busy to meet with God. Mm. And I've gotten into those places and I can fake being okay for a really long time. Mm. And this morning I was just, I was going to do pancakes. We had had a hard week. I make great pancakes, put a little vanilla in. They're amazing. I know I'm making you hungrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I tripped over the dog Uh, the carton of eggs went everywhere on the kitchen floor and so did I, I just, I sat there on the kitchen floor and I just cried and Mm -hmm. I cried and I cried and I cried and I scared the dog. You know, it's bad (laughs) when you cry so much, you scare the dog. And it was, I realized that I had been trying to handle too much stuff on my own and not (sighs) failure is natural. Pain is natural but when we stop going to God with it mm. when we trying to take care of things on our own we only have so much reserve and so this was just an opportunity to say i need to make sure that god isn't the extra at the end of the day that that's my sustenance that's what i need and why do i have to keep learning that lesson over and over and over again you know i'm a woman in my 50s and sometimes i I'm just being honest. Sometimes I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I've spent no time talking with God today. And here's what I know. When I talk with God, my everything, it doesn't get necessarily get easier in the moment, but I know that there is healing taking place. Mm -hmm. And why do I want to skip the healing? Why do I let my brain convince myself I'm too busy? to be with the most important thing in my life. And so this was just a a devotion about unpacking those feelings that we often feel as humans, as women, that life is too busy to do the most important yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: I think mm. it's probably rooted in our sin nature, right? It, yeah,
3: absolutely. The
2: enemy in our own flesh works against us spending that time with the Lord. And 100%. That's part of it. Mm. Sherry, I want to ask you about the strawberry farmer because that really helped you in your fruitfulness uh, yes. understanding. What happened there? It's all about food, girls.
3: <laughs>
4: exactly. <laughs> <The driver> is <laughs> a definite um, Well, we do live just outside of Watsonville, California, which is um, lots and lots of strawberries get Um, grown there and so we first moved into the house we're in now and these entire flats of strawberries would just show up out of the blue and we were like (laughs) like on your porch yeah on our front porch like i would take them in and oh absolutely we made jam and strawberry shortcake but i'm like what's happening and it was just a local farmer's way of sharing his bounty Oh, and it was wonderful and delicious and so strawberry season at least where we're at is march through october and waiting for strawberry season is the other six months of the year (laughs) um but you know there's a uh, verse in psalm one actually that talks about bearing fruit in season and Waiting for strawberry season was a really great lesson for me because I love being productive. It's always been the way that I have determined my worth. Mm. I've never been popular, but I have been necessary. And in order to stay necessary, you have to always be producing. And so I realized I have mistakenly associated fruitfulness with healthy spirituality And assumed that if I wasn't producing fruit, it meant that I was either spiritually dead or something, you know, far worse than that. But God designed us to have seasons of fruitfulness and seasons of fallow. And it was wonderful to realize, well, just a second, the scripture actually says that whatever they do and this is those who are who are following god's ways prospers and to realize that i don't have to always be productive to always be prospering
2: you know given that kathy i wanted to ask this question because so many women are going to identify with this and even that head thought of lazy Mm -hmm. fits this and that's the the destructive self-talk oh my goodness! and you mentioned that and yeah i mean again how does a woman get into a better spot
3: yeah well, you know weight is something I've struggled with my entire life. You know, I was a ten pound baby. I had no chance. you know it was it's some it's just been a struggle my entire life, and it's something that I have repeatedly failed at and let's be honest, when you've failed at something so many times, um it's very hard to say, nope, I'm gonna do it again i'm gonna do it again, I'm gonna do it again you know proverbs twenty four sixteen says though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble while calamity strikes. And, Hmm. you know, I I love that idea of getting back up again, again, and again, and again. And we only fail if we're not willing to try again. And so what I've had to do with my own self-talk, because let's just say, you know, we, we are, and everybody in this room is in the public eye to a certain extent and people feel very free to comment on every aspect <laughs> of our lives mm. and we have to figure out whose voices are we giving weight to yeah and I've also come to understand one of the most important decisions I can make is who am I doing life with am I doing life to please people on the internet or am I finding those women who have failed seven times, but they keep getting mm. back up. And those are the people I want to hear the stories from. Those are the people yeah. I want to do life with.
2: Yeah, and it's really good. Yeah, uh, Roger, your husband, yes. lost his mother not long ago. Right. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, you share a beautiful tribute mm. that happened. Explain what went on.
3: Yeah, so... It was heartbreaking. You know, she was a woman who was full of life and she loved her three boys tremendously. And we just we couldn't figure out what to do. To We couldn't have a funeral. We couldn't be with his brothers. We couldn't be with our family. Mm. And so what we decided to do instead was um, Betty was known for her love of butterflies. Like her boys always knew if they couldn't figure out what to get her for Christmas or a birthday, buy something with a butterfly. on it. She <laughs> would be good. fine with it. <laughs> And um, so we decided instead of buying a trinket or something, because we live on a mountain, one of the best things that we could have done was to plant a butterfly garden. Mm. And so there are certain flowers that attract the butterflies. And it was just our opportunity. You know, she loved the representation of butterflies because she had been through some really hard things in her life. And butterflies represented new life to her, being
2: able to change, the being metamorphosis, able to change,
3: being yeah. able to do something different than what you did before. And as women, you know, it's so easy to get stuck in a place and not make changes in your life that are for the good, that are pursuing God. And she was such a great example of being able to pursue God in her life. So we planted a butterfly garden, and we've got a little sign. It says Betty's Butterfly Garden. <laughs> and um, it's How our sweet. reminder that God has a new plan and new hope. And Betty is now with the people she loves so dearly, her husband, her sister, and that there is always a new hope for those of us who believe in Christ.
2: Yeah, and that that's a great place to in today that Mm -hmm. there is great hope in christ that is the hope the hope and the the lessons that you've learned and the way you've put this into the devotional is great Mm -hmm. and i just can't wait to get it for Jean. i want Mm -hmm. Jean to participate she had such a great experience at that retreat but it's something that women can enjoy regularly and that's the key theme that both of you have brought Mm -hmm. today thank you for being with us
3: Thank you for discussing it with it's us. It's so This has been so much fun. It's
2: so helpful. I'm telling you, if, if these are places where you have struggled, that uh, destructive self-talk, the guilt for finding space to make sure you're in a good spot, um, you need to get this devotional so that you can keep the positive things moving toward Christ. And if you can give a gift of any amount, uh, we'll send you a copy of the book as our way of saying thank you for being a part of the ministry. And we'll help more couples uh, do even a better job in their marriages and their
0: parenting. And that's what it's all about. So thank you. Yeah, donate as you can and get a copy of this book. And uh, you can also set up a time for one of our counselors to give you a call back. Sherry mentioned uh, maybe sometimes somebody from the outside uh, can speak into your life, and we have some great caring Christian counselors. Our number is 800, the letter A, in the word family. 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com/broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.